Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. And happy party Friday, everybody. Julie Hayden, Chuck Bonnywell here, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, The Truth Straight Up, brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture, and Chinese Medicine. Chuck, once again, is in hair and makeup. I hear him coming down. No, actually, he was on the phone with Dave Williams. Um, not surprisingly, but disappointingly, the federal court said that Colorado, they ruled against the Colorado Republican Party's bid to close the primary. So they're sort of discussing strategy moving forward. But pleased to have with us on this party Friday. Dr. Janik Joshi. He has recently announced that he is going to be a candidate for the Republican nomination in CD8, which is where we live. And I know I will be voting for you. And hopefully, here comes Chuck from Hair and Makeup. Um, and so, Dr. Joshi, wanted to have you on. You got our endorsement without even. <laughs> no, I know. You even Josie. said a word. I mean, <laughs> I've spoken you to him. You must be good. No, I spoke you to him. You must be good. I spoke to him at length on the phone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, we spoke at length on the phone. And you remember me, sir. But when I was a TV reporter, and I don't even remember what we interviewed you for, but I interviewed you several okay. times for stuff because you were a state lawmaker. But let me say hello. Welcome to the show. And I'm just going to start out open-ended. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself and why you decided to jump in the race? And why Julie loves you already. And why I love All you already. Right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chuck and Julie both. And nice to uh, seeing you again after a few years. Um, uh, you pronounce my name correctly. That's even better. Um <laughs> But again, I'll just introduce myself. Uh, my name is uh, Janak Joshi, and um, I am originally from India. I immigrated uh, over 50 years ago. Um, I, where, in uh, India? I, where, where in India were you from? I am from a town called Ahmedabad. Uh, it's in Gujarat state. Uh-huh. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when uh, Mr. Trump was president, the prime minister of India invited him to India and held a very big rally. And that is my hometown. That's where he has been. And that was and, Modi? Was it Modi? Uh, yes, Mr. Modi. And because he is from my home state too. Ah. He used to be the chief minister over there. And there was a brand new cricket stadium, which is the largest in the world. Wow, Whoa. that's pretty Whoa. cool. It's like over 110,000 people. And mm-hmm. it had not even opened yet. And that's where they did the rally for him. I guess that will be his largest rally in his lifetime. That he <laughs> what, 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 what events were they going to hold in there? Um, well, it was just the rally he did. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, you know, the rally is over, but it was okay. it was built for what? Uh, it is a cricket stadium. Cricket stadium, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the largest one used to be in Melbourne, Australia, which was, I believe, around 90,000. Okay. So they built this bigger than that. <laughs> you, you guys like your cricket, huh? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I came um, uh, all, over 50 years ago uh, after I finished my medical school, the young, 23 years old. And um, ended up in uh, uh, New York City. And back then, when you immigrate, you had to go to the uh, uh, either consulate or the embassy. 
you had to have an interview. They would <laughs> first tell you whether you are eligible or not. If they think you are a good person to come to United States, then they will give you the approval. Then you actually had to go get a medical exam mm. and a blood test and a chest x-ray. And they Luckily, would, we've gotten rid of all that. Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 I kind of uh, take a <laughs> objection to that. All the laws are still on the books. Oh, I know, but, but we don't care Nobody's about Nobody's implementing anymore. and enforcing. That is yes. the problem. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. Right. I mean, we are a country of law-abiding citizens, but nobody follows the laws anymore, it looks no. like. Except yeah. us, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, some of us, uh, but uh, it seems like a lot of people don't. But anyway, and then you come to United States with a, this little X-ray, yellow, big, uh, if you remember, when they used to be in the x-ray uh, plates right, right. right then that they were all in a yellow folder with your name was written in big letters at the hospitals and that's how it was and it was sealed and only the immigration officer could open that ah and then when you arrive in united states they will open it they will look at it then they will let you in that's what it used to be Wow. Looking for tuberculosis or whatever. Exactly. No, they were right. looking for tuberculosis mm -hmm. and uh, venereal diseases. Right. And I will get to that uh, in a little bit. Okay. To that okay. Uh, issue. Okay. But so I ended up in uh, New York City, did all my training there, internship, uh, residency, fellowship, everything. Moved to Colorado where I practiced for 30 years in uh, internal medicine and uh, nephrology, which is uh, kidney disease. Uh, retired in 2008 and enjoy was enjoying life. Uh, and then the call came, 2010, I jumped in, uh, did my civic duty, got elected to the state house. Tea party, year of tea party. Um, yes, tea party was big at that time, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, then I served uh, three terms. And uh, then um, I kind of lost my primary. That's another story. And uh, then so for about uh, five, six years, I've been kind of enjoying second retirement. Didn't you, didn't you um, take on Larry Liston? Yes. Yeah, I mean, so you yeah. losing the primary is sort of, for folks who don't understand, a badge of honor. Because what happened, and now Dr. Josie may be too polite to say this, but Larry Listen is like one of the head rhinos uh, down in El Paso County. So it's a badge of honor yeah. that they threw everything against you because you were making too much of a good difference at the state <laughs> capitol, and we certainly can't have that. So, yep. And uh, then I kind of took a second retirement, enjoyed life again. We did a lot of traveling and everything, uh, but I kind of stayed uh, sort of low-key. Uh, once you have the fire in the belly, it never goes away. Yeah, you, <laughs> and, go. uh, you can only uh, hold on for so long. Then he said, my gosh, I mean, this is not the country I came to anymore. Yeah, one, one the one we were born into. <laughs> right, exactly. And I mean, uh, this country had almost adopted me, basically, and uh, gave me all the opportunities. And I have uh, sort of enjoyed my uh, American dream. I mean, not too many people in the first generation like me do what I have done. So, I mean, I feel very fortunate, but at the same time, I can see all these opportunities. Now, the newer generation will not have 
Yeah. Like right. my grandkids and my kids. I mean, I tell my kids, we have two daughters. And I said, you are done. I mean, <laughs> but my grandkids, I want to make sure that they will have the same American dream. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this is, it's kind of, we've talked a lot about this on, on our show. This is shaping up to be um, a very good year for grassroots America first kind of candidates in Colorado. We've got Lauren Boebert running in CD4. Um, we've got Ron Hanks running in CD3. We've got Dave Williams running in CD5. Now you running in CD8. And I got to admit, as I've said, for somebody who's, who lives in CD8, I have and I've listened to most of the candidates speak and have not been impressed. They are not what I would consider to be grassroots or America first candidates at all. Um, you know, we've got Gabe Evans who has an F rating, D, a D rate, a D, the, you know, and so uh, Dr. Josie, first, thank you for jumping in and maybe talk a little bit about what, what you would hope to accomplish and where you would fall, I guess, in sort of these, these, you know, why people should vote for you. I, I know it's an open-ended softball right. question, but I think it's an important one. Well, I mean, as a immigrant who was really aspiring to achieve the American dream, my principles have always been exactly the same. I mean, why did I leave India? I mean, the main thing back then when I was growing up, India was very corrupt. I mean, it was a one-party system. There was no hope to move up if you are lower-class or middle-class people, even though I was a doctor and I had just received my medical degree, but without giving bribes and the corruption was just horrendous. And um, so I always felt that the best thing to do is keep the government small, keep the regulations as minimal as uh, possible, and keep the taxes as low as possible. Just tax citizens only what government needs. Don't <laughs> create jobs for the bureaucrats. Yes, yes. Plus, as a physician, sanctity of life is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, I know that we all have to be safe and protect ourselves, our families and all that. So Second Amendment is very important to me too. So these have been my basic principles and any bill that came during six years I was there, that was against this, I voted no. <laughs> I mean, I didn't care. In the first term, we were in majority as probably, you know, Julie, by one vote. Wow. So there were bills that Republicans were bringing, which were kind of against these principles and I started to vote no on Republican bills. And so they started to call me uh, Dr. No. <laughs> because I voted so many times no. <laughs> well, let me ask you, what was your opinion on the vaccine mandates under oh, COVID? I, <laughs> when we, we had vaccine bills, I said, how could you give so many vaccines when some of the stuff we don't know? As a physician, I know some vaccines are important, okay? Uh, they have been proven, like smallpox. I mean, we wiped out smallpox. I have smallpox. Um, after, I think, in 1970s, one of my nephew was the last one who got it. Then even in India, they stopped it because there was no more smallpox. Measles, for example, we know that works. But something we had recently, it was never proven. 
I mean, it came out so quickly. And why, if the vaccine is working, tell me why they need immunity by the government. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with money. <laughs> I'm going but, to, but that's I'm what going, it, it didn't work and it gave you ill effects. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were giving little kids the vaccines. I mean, now we know that they get, I don't know what the latest number oh, it's is. Oh, huge. It's huge. Like 15 or 17 vaccines. Yes, yes. I mean, when uh, my uh, grandson was born and my daughter called me and she says, Dad, what do I do? They want to give him next week this seven or eight vaccine. I said, no, tell me which one. The vaccines are working. I know that. But don't give them all at one time. Oh. Tell them that give maybe two or three this week. Let him let us see what he is doing. Then go give him some more next week. Because the problem comes is when you give so many vaccine and somebody has a reaction, you don't know. But yeah, the reaction but is still what it is. Yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, right. these are pragmatic medical issues. Right. I'm not anti-vaccine, but I want vaccine which is necessary. That's it. Yeah. What about, let me ask you, this is also a question that always comes up, the whole issue of election integrity. I mean, you know, like you said, you ran before this became an issue and it's a pretty big issue now. What are your thoughts on that whole issue? Well, I mean, right now I'm kind of pragmatic. I always look at future and I don't dwell on the past. So there is a lot of things that happens in the past. We have no control now. And I said, if something happened, it happened in the past, but we have to move on. Let us look at what is going on. All we can learn from the past, as you know. And uh, What do you I'm think the, the 20, 20, 20, 2020 election, uh, Biden was fairly elected? I could not tell you for sure. Number one, I wasn't involved much at that time. Right. And number two, as I'm saying, that, that what happened, happened. He's the president right now. Yeah. I want to win the next election. I know, I'm not worried about the past election. Well, yeah, and, as, yeah, as somebody, as somebody no, no, who, let election. me tell you, Chuck, this. I said, if it was, they were smarter than us. So why don't we become smarter than them? In- but you, exactly. have to, you have to figure out what they did to be exactly. smarter than you before. Yes. That's what I'm saying. you got to recognize the techniques that, they used before. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I'm not going to dwell on all that thing. I'm going to learn from it. Okay. That's okay. how I... I'm a doctor. How do we become better doctor? We learn from our mistakes. That's why they always say we are practicing. We we are always practicing. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Exactly. And and what are your feelings on on former President Trump? What is that? What are your feelings on former President Trump? I think his, uh, his policies were great. I mean, from my perspective, as I said, my principles... Smaller government, lower taxes, less regulation. He met all three principles. And he was also poor on the life side. Actually, I carried a bill called, uh, it was the bill which was called Right to Try. Um, I was asked to see if I would carry the bill by the uh, Goldwater Institute in um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. They came up with the idea. It wasn't my idea. I met them at one of the meeting. They say, you are the doctor, so you understand this better. So why don't you look at this bill and see if you want to carry it? So I brought it here, reviewed it, and then we did a bill. But the bill says that if 
there is a medicine in trial and up to phase two or three, and it seems to be very effective, then if you have a terminal illness, your doctor can request this medicine and FDA cannot deny that. Ah. So we have patients who had terminal illnesses, whether it's a cancer or we have uh, actually in Denver, one of the news uh, report, there is a uh, dystrophy of the muscles that occurs in the children. And there was a drug available, which by second phase was so effective. Kids were feeling normal. But FDA would not give to any kids until it was past uh, phase four. Yeah. So what this bill did was now doctor can request. So interestingly, after we passed in Colorado, we were the first one. And I'm not the only one. I actually worked with, uh, at that time, Representative Joanne Jinal, who is in the Senate now. And she had a family um, uh, situation very similar that she couldn't get the medicine. And so she agreed to uh, bless her heart. And she has a medical background. She has actually a PhD in endocrinology. Oh. And uh, yeah, so she is a smart lady. Uh, I wish she was a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> she will be if she starts turning her well, brain on. Somewhere. You know what the Freedom Caucus is in the yes, U.S. House. I know. Would yeah. you want to be in the Freedom Caucus uh, if you were elected? I would not mind. I have to really look at who they are and what their principles are. Like, uh, as you know, on the uh, uh, Capitol here, I was member of the Republican Study Committee of Colorado, which was something very similar. We were free enterprise and all these similar principles that uh, probably were part of uh, the caucus. We were there. And uh, so anyway, so my bill eventually became in tw uh, when Trump was running in 2016, part of the Republican platform Oh, at the RNC. And then it went through the Congress and that uh, Trump signed it. So now it's a federal bill. And President Trump, when he was running in 2020, he actually took the credit for this bill. If you watch his every speech, he says that, that right to try bill, I signed it and passed it. And I said, Mr. President, give me a little bit of credit. Not much. My ego is very small. I got the idea. Well, hopefully you can get elected and then you can bring this up to you. <laughs> really? Let me, just a couple of questions because we, we've got a full day. But, you know, it is at this time, It, it I mean, I, I so appreciate what you talk about your grandchildren, right? Because we have a 13-year-old son and you look at what's going to be left. I mean, I think this election is extremely important. I mean, they're he's all 12. Well, he's, well, he's going to be 13 in a month, but <laughs> so I, in my mind, he's a teenager. I have to drive him back. 42. And, no, I know. I drive him back and forth from school. I guarantee you he's a teenager. But yeah. at any rate, I mean, talk about how important, I mean, you jumped in after a hiatus, right? I mean, how important is this election, do you think? Well, that's why I jumped in, because of the grandkids. I mean, I don't need any fame. I don't need any money at this point in my life. I'm fine. I could just leave whatever time God has left for me. But I think that at the same time, you can you cannot sit inactive when you see so much going on in front of your eyes. Even when I was in the Colorado uh, house, I mean, that's what I did. Uh, I remember 
I would just thump on my the thing and I said, this bill is going to cost my grandson. So I will say no. No, that's no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, doctor, no. Is that a well, sir, where can people find out more about you if they want to help, if they want to contribute to your chance? Sure. Well, uh, we have the uh, website up and running already. It says janakforcd8.com. And Janak is... Can, yeah, janakforcd8. And that Janak is spelled? J-A-N-A-K. Okay. Okay. Janet from Colorado. Well, you sound like a great candidate. You sound like a great candidate. Neil Mathai's endorsement, and that is not easy. (laughs) Neil and we go back uh, many years when uh, I ran the first time since then. So he's a good guy. Yeah. And I know for folks who live in Adams County, um, Dr. Jan or Dr. Joseph, you're going to be, I think, at the Adams County Republican Party meeting um, next Thursday, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there. Right. All right. Well, that'd be great. All right. Well, thank you for thank your you time. So much. Thank you for sure. running. And we'll and be- love to come back. And thank you for having me on your show. And uh, uh, we wish you best to uh, both All of right. you. And, All right. Uh, we'll be care. talking. We'll see you next right. week. Bye. Thank you. Exactly. All right. Bye-bye. Dr. Bye-bye. Janet Josie there. Um, Sounds like a great candidate. Janet for Colorado. Yeah. Tons of great comments there. This is from Leo. Nice to have a candidate that actually gives a, you know what, um, Barney says, many of the Indians that come here are 10 times more patriotic than the Americans. Um, Jacob says, Pfizer is actually creating an antidote to their COVID vaccine. (laughs) Um, And then Leo goes back to Barney's, except for Nikki Haley. And then Sandra says, he's a breath of fresh air for the Colorado Republican Party. Well, like I said, Neil does not give endorsements easily. No, no. so he's endorsing him. A couple other okay. things I want to touch on. At um, 3.30, we're going to have Wes Eimer and Laurel Eimer on. Report from the RNC. The RNC winter meeting, which has been a little bit contentious, kind of a split, obviously, between like all over. The old establishment and the grassroots. And some of these astonishing figures about the RNC is spending money on almost a billion dollars, so they need a line of credit. So we'll get into all of that. But When they're not raising very much money. The RNC in past years has always well surpassed the... DNC, they had a lot of big pocket people. Now they're 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 just awful. Well, because yeah, all they're doing is I mean, when you're spending seventy thousand dollars, okay, just for one example, the RNC spent seventy thousand dollars on floral, right? Guess how much oh, the nice. guess how much the DNC spent? Uh, $795. $795. Exactly. $69,000 less. It's like, what the? So they're going to report. Well, there's some people like flowers. They're going to report from there. But want to talk about why we need to get people like Dr. Joshi in there. Um, Ken Buck. Just think Ken Buck could not get any worse. He gets worse. It's like, and he's not even doing CNN anymore. He is going straight. Oh, we've got Jacob raising his hand. Before we get to Ken Buck, Jacob, go ahead. I understand that they they uh, took one of the court cases against Trump off the docket today. That's right. Yeah, now, he, now, now you're talking about PAC money being spent. A lot of that PAC money was spent on those cases. If that case never comes to trial, can they get somehow get that money back? No, that's your legal system at work for you, Jacob. No. So they were, in other words, in other words, they're trying to drive. They're trying to keep him uh, keep him away from money that he could have 
spent advertising to be exactly jacob i think you you hit it on the head there the whole the whole lawfare thing is is twofold one just like you said to keep have to force trump to have to spend money on legal stuff um and i think a lot they had really no intention i think of taking many of these cases to court anyway because of course they did no they wanted to put them in jail i promise well some cases but some of them it's just it's just a nuisance well they want to put them in jail but i mean they don't want to actually discuss the facts of the case right well in front of a crooked judge and a crooked jury well, okay, but it, but in some of the cases, and so they wanted to do that. They thought that all of this was going to hurt Trump, oh, yeah. and instead, it's helped him. So I think there. Well, I maybe mean, maybe maybe then it was money well spent if it's helping him. You know, yeah, that's right. Great <laughs> for us, okay. that's right. Bye. Bye. All right, thank thank you, Jacob. Um, but back to so Marjorie Taylor Greene, they had introduced articles impeachment against Mayorkas over the whole border thing. Um, and Ken Buck, as you can imagine, stood strong with the Freedom Caucus and said, we are, you know, we need to here in Colorado. Denver is one of the most impacted cities, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, no, that's not what Ken Buck said. Ken Buck said he is a solid no on impeachment. Let's take a look. This is Ken Buck talking to MSNBC. If we could Where else please, would he report? Exactly. Could we please go to the Buck soundbite, Thomas? Leaders been trying to convince you otherwise, and is there anything that will change your mind? Or when you say solid no, you mean solid no. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not changing my mind. I have met with uh, Chairman Green from the Homeland Security uh, uh, Committee. I have met with uh, the staff. I have talked to outside constitutional experts. I've talked to former members of Congress about what this would mean for Congress. Uh, I, I believe I have done my due diligence, and, and I am standing firm. Uh, at this point on, on this, if there's some new evidence, I'm happy to look at it, but I don't believe there will be. What evidence is he talking about? I mean, it, it's a complete open border. We had Todd Watkins on the other day. You heard Dr. Joshi talking about the differences. It's like, I mean, here's the thing. Don't fool yourself. Ken Buck could care less yeah. about policy. Well, that's what, that's what that's what Tom Tancredo said. You know, he said, he's just looking for something to make him, in his own mind, look good. And he thinks, this sounds out of that principle because I'm standing with the Democrats. I mean, the guy... Is is just a, a joke. And maybe he realized CNN doesn't have any money, so he's not auditioning for a job for them anymore. But yeah. now he's trying to get on MSNBC. And real quick, before I think I saw we have what, Laurel Imer here, but before we go, that some sort of breaking news on the um, the opt out lawsuit. Uh, as I was saying, disappointingly, but not particularly surprisingly, the judge um, turned down the Colorado Republican Party's request for a preliminary injunction allowing them to close the next primary. Right. That is correct, and. Um... I said, you guys are now kind of trying to figure out legal strategy moving forward. Yeah, what do we do going forward? I mean, I'm I'm very much realizing, having been a clerk on the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals for a judge, um, I know that just because you lost at the district court level, um, you should not give up the fight, especially an important constitutional fight like this one. Um, and I think it's, it's important to keep on going. But, you know, everybody's going to be disappointed, as they always are. But in law, the the key is you know the the race goes to the long distance runner. Um, you know, there's so many cases where you think, well, oh, gosh, I've, well, let me, I'm, but let me say, I mean, you're not shocked by this, right? I mean, oh, I'm disappointed. I mean, we're disappointed. We, we yet, had a but... we had a Republican uh, judge, and 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 there aren't very many of them. Uh, two, um, everybody who was there, and I was not there, but everyone was there said our side really did, did a, a good job in, in presenting it. Um, after the last case, and we were for Judge Kane, where it didn't matter what we said, we couldn't possibly win. Um, I have a feeling it's the same way. It, it, in law, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the bias of the judge is so enormous in many cases, not all, but in many cases, 
um, that that the case is decided before you say your first word. Right. Um, not all cases, but but in, certainly in political cases. Right. What what the what the political leanings and this is a bush judge and he could have been one who who believes that grassroots and not the establishment or he could have been a bush bush um in which case he thinks that you know the, the establishment well here's what we have like like you know you pointed out before the star witnesses for the political hack jenna griswold the democrat team were rhinos dick wadhams and suzanne steyer Right. Two and Republicans. He, and, and he re- apparently, and he, apparently, Dave said he relied greatly on their testimony. So once again, so that, going back to Dr. Joshi, this is why we need people like him, not like Ken Buck, who will turn around and stab the grassroots Republicans in the back, not because they care about principles, not because Dick Wadhams actually thinks that Donald Trump is the reason we can't win, not because Dick Wadhams believed anything he actually said in the trial, but simply because they want to hang on to their power. They're clinging to, they'd rather have a little bit of power. And we'll get into the RNC too, right? Why on earth is the RNC spending Seventy nine thousand or seventy thousand dollars on floral. Why do we think we're Are losing? Are you against flowers, Julie? Well, no, but I mean, seven hundred ninety five is a lot to spend on. What the frick? You know, that's a lot to spend. But it's Mother's it, it, Day is coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want a seventy thousand dollar bouquet for Pete's sakes. Um, that that comes with the world cruise, right? I mean, yeah, it's, right. it's. But again, the 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 Democrats are smart and they want to win. The Republicans just want the, the ones who are in power just want to stay in power so they can make money. Um, and we see that over and over again. And I don't know, it's, I thought I saw Laurel Imer in the Zoom meeting. Laurel, whoops, Chuck. Yeah. Laurel, are you there? If you're there, we can bring her on. Then we can bring Wes on, Thomas, if he comes in. Um, if not, maybe she was just testing it. Okay. I'm here. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, Thank you. I know you're like, you're like me. It's, it's only 329, Julie. So, and, 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 when, and, and, um, Hey, and Thomas, a producer, when Wes shows up, just go ahead and bring him in on too. So you've been at the, and first I want to say you're running in Colorado for the um, RNC committee woman. So good luck right. on that. Um, yes. And and I have endorsed you for that. Um, yeah. And if I, if I get to be a place where I have a vote, I would vote for you. Um, but so tell me about this. So it's the RNC winter meeting. Are you joining Weston? Is, is, is Wes coming on? You guys can share if you want, or he can have his own phone, however. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to join or not, but I'm here. Yeah, right, okay, perfect. Right. Okay. We got the mom. One anyway. So, um, you know, if I look a little haggard, it's because I'm exhausted because we've been going at this for five solid days and my old, worn out body here. <laughs> you aren't kidding. Well, give us maybe just sort of I'm an getting overview. younger, you know. <laughs> give us sort of an overview of what happened. Is, what it, is it a big war, as everybody says, between the grassroots? Or was it a love fest for Ronna, Romney McDaniel? Well, you know, actually, in some some parts of the room, yes, it was a love fest, and um, and then there was there was the faction, right? Uh, those of us who, I mean, I appreciate her that she has done some things that are right. I'm not going to say that she's very nice, she's very kind. One of the things I can say about her, honestly, is she's very um, she's very good at thanking the people around her to help her. She's very she's very warm in that regard. And so, you know, you can't just bash somebody hundred percent of the time. You got to give them the credit where right. the credit is due. And she's a very kind lady. Um, but I don't agree with $700,000 worth of flowers and I am all about flowers, but that is extreme. It's just, you know, it's just, it's extreme. And, and for what, I mean, 
yes, the venue was beautiful here. We're, we're in Las Vegas. We're in, you know, the, the Western States armpit of hell, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, you know, so it did need some beautifying. It needed to, you know, have something better to look at than the pornographic material on the streets. So I, <laughs> I appreciated the flowers, but, um, and there weren't as many Weston having attended, I think four or five of these meetings. Now Weston said that there weren't as many as normal. So I think she's even, <laughs> cut this, you know, uh, probably she probably saw those budget numbers and, and, and was like, Oh my gosh, we gotta, you know, we gotta tone this down. Um, but there were beautiful flowers at the front. There was beautiful arrangements on the tables, you know, but, and, and I think you can do some of that, but you know, we need to win elections and flowers right. don't win elections. Um, I was told once that yard signs don't vote. Well, I think yard signs vote more than flowers do. Right. Uh, I can right. say, right. The flowers, maybe if the flowers had um, flags in them for candidates, right. then maybe you say that the flowers vote. But but without that, I don't think they're doing anything to, to win voters and and to make um, make the RNC function as it should. Well, here's another thing, too, I saw. Um, and, and so the RNC spent on voter file systems, um, $39,000. Get this, the DNC spent $236,000. So almost $200,000 more. To right. your point, you got to wonder, whoa, right. if the, if the right. Democrats are spending 700 bucks on flowers and $236,000 on voters, and the RNC's right. got that backwards, maybe that right. is a factor in why we're not winning. Well, right. It has to be. I mean, we, I mean, how many, what are the grassroots screaming from the hilltops? Voter rolls, voter rolls, voter rolls, right? Right. And what are they spending their money on? Flowers. Flowers. Not, you know, <laughs> Limos. And, and, getting, and getting out the vote. You look at those numbers of the get out the vote operations, right? Look at the right. discrepancy there. Right. Um, You know, and, and the limousine service? They spent, okay, the RNC spent as much on limousines as the DNC spent on voters. <laughs> right. well, like, I mean, I like a limousine. Too. Come on, we love limousines. I mean, I like limos. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I like limos. So limos but... to drive the voters to the ballot box. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's there. not what they're doing. That the DNC sends Uber to do that. We don't right. even do that. If it was an Uber bill to pick up voters to take them to vote, then I'd be okay with that. But that's right. not what it's. About. Well, here and again to comparison. <laughs> so, so once again. The the DNC spent two hundred thirty six thousand dollars on voter issues. The Republicans spent thirty nine thousand. The RNC right. spent two hundred sixty three thousand dollars on limos. The DNC spent seven thousand dollars. Here's there was that's there was, to get the the, the Uber boat. Well, and here's another one: consultants. This is great. Well, we that, have the best consult. We love consultants. We spent two hundred ninety eight thousand dollars on consultants. Excellent. All of my bet are Ronna McDaniel's friends. I'm just guessing there. And the DNC spent forty five thousand. Oh, we, we're going to win now. We're going to win. We've got. We've got. <laughs> said if you have more limos and more flowers uh, and more consultants and those consultants, forget those we, silly we, voters. We're, I mean, we've won. We've won. Was there any discussion of this there? Well, I couldn't be in that part of the meeting uh, that was a closed. Well, actually, they started out having that as an open meeting, and then as soon as they started talking about the budget she went into executive session excellent and excellent it pissed yes. a lot of people that pissed a lot of people off so that's what i'm saying like i'll give her credit where her credits due but i'm also going to call her out she's they the whole time today in general session at the end of the day talking about transparency when they were talking about the budget transparency transparency well where the hell's the transparency when you kick half the room out and go into executive session 
Right. I mean, that's transparency there. So, I mean, I know there was today at the general session when the budget was finally voted on, there were several states that stood up and were absolutely against it. Um, Arizona was definitely one of them with Tyler Bauer. Um, Wyoming was definitely one of them. You know, there was a handful others that stood up against uh, uh, approving her budget. And then in addition to that, she didn't call a roll call vote. She uh-huh. just had a quick vote. And there was people in the back of the room, like myself, guests who were behind the ropes. And we heard people from behind the ropes being part of that yes vote. Oh, so yeah. Tyler Bauer, Tyler Bauer stood up and said, no, you know, we want to call that. And, and they, they voted it down. Wow. You know, she, she didn't want transparency. She didn't want people to own up to their vote. And so, unfortunately, the budget passed. Uh, we don't even know what it was. I heard it was somewhere like, I think, $80 billion. Um, I'm not sure. 80 million. 80, I, I'm really not, not sure. Billion. Yeah, so, not billion. So I'll chime, I'll chime yeah, in here a little bit. Chime in. Yeah. This is hey, Wes Heimer, guys. I, yes. I had to leave the room. I didn't want our audios to step on each other. Um, so um, what I can tell you is like I went up afterwards and I spoke with uh, with Randy Corcoran, our committee man. Um, I didn't have a chance to talk with Dave. He was on his way to the airport already. Um, but I spoke with Randy and I said, you know, what's the story on the budget? You know, we, we, we didn't you know, see this. We have no idea what was in it. What what was the situation? And he says, well, I was a no vote and I didn't hear how the other people voted. He says, we can assume that they voted no or didn't vote. And we can also safely assume that, you know, Vera Ortegon voted yes. Um, But he says it was a a decent budget. It was definitely slim and trim. It was definitely better allocated than the past budgets have been. You know, when you guys were talking about, you know, the totals that have been allocated for all these different, you know, things, you know, $70,000 in flowers. Um, right. And as my mom mentioned, you know, I walked in and the first thing I said, oh, instead of 5000 in flowers this week, we only have $500 in flowers. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was certainly different. I mean, we were at the summer meeting in Milwaukee a few months ago. And, you know, the amount of flowers on the stage in that room and the bouquets, I mean, I I know how much they are. I know how much these ones were. So it's definitely an improvement, but it certainly is not great. And the amount of money that they should be spending on voter outreach, get out the vote efforts, um, you know, all of these, you know, investments that they're trying to make in our elections and, and trying to win votes and secure Republican majorities, it was not there. And it is highly alarming to me, and it should be alarming to everyone. And you guys all need to realize how important these national committee elections are, because these people have, pardon me, I'm standing outside the elevator bank here, um, these people have impact on what the RNC spends and where the RNC spends their money. And if we are not electing true fiscal conservatives to these roles, we will never have a winning election, you know, budget again. And, right. and it's critical. Well, let me, Laurel, ask you about this. And again, pointing out that you are running um, for a Republican committee woman, which in order to vote for that, just so you guys know, this is why you need to go to your caucuses that are coming up next right. month, because this is where you start the process to become a PCP and then a delegate to these various things so you can vote. Where do things stand? I mean, I was reading that they might, that they, were, they and they decided apparently not to, but to have a no confidence vote. Um, yeah, I mean, there was very much the last time around, you know, Ronna McDaniel was not beloved and, 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 you know, there was no coronation when she won this time. I, you know, we had Harmie Dillon, Mike Lindell, who didn't get very many votes, but what's the mood there? I mean, is she doing things to try to show up her position so she can stay in power or is somebody, I mean, what's going on there that you know? Well, of? there was, 
there was rumor there was rumor early in the beginning of the week that she was going to announce that she was going to step down but that she was going to do it in five months at the end of the republican national convention um and so everybody you know got like kind of weirded out like what does that mean you know so on and so forth and then that talk kind of died down i think it was just you know a play from somewhere planted out there but um you know she clearly had i don't think has any intent to step down ahead of the election and and as much as i dislike the things that she's done the reality is we do have an election to win okay and if she were to step down what would we do right we must have someone who knows what they're doing and it has some kind of game plan, you know, we're nine months from an election. So right. I'm not completely sure that it would be a good idea unless we had Step someone ready to fill that space immediately. What well, about, well, what, what about what, the next time around? What about yeah. well, next know, time yeah. around? I, you know, that vote will be up in January um, when the new, um, that was another thing they did today. They, uh, they had a rule change to rule number three. Typically new incoming RNC committee, men and women, take uh, their position at the end of gavel after the Republican National Convention is over at the RNC convention. Um, They had a rule change to three. So now that will not happen until the end, until the winter meeting will be when they will be installed. So that's a rule change. Um, They said that it's significant. Well, the present people. And women can help kind of to teach the new ones coming in during oh, that sure. off time. Sure. I don't well, know. I had a feeling about it, but, it, but it, it's really an interesting change. I'm sorry, Mona, but it, I, I, I mean, I, I was in, you know, I, I, Randy Corcoran was in the room, um, you know, that day and I talked to him right away. Vera Ortegon sits on the rules committee that, that, you know, put this rule recommendation in place. And really what their intent is, is that when and I spoke with a few of the other committee members as well, and they kind of shared the same thought was that the way the rule sits now, and this is Republican National Committee Rule 3, and it has to be adopted by the full body of the National Convention, as well as voted on at the summer meeting by the membership of the RNC. So, so they'll vote for it at the summer meeting, which is the week prior to the National Convention. And it will also then, once the RNC finally votes and approves it, it will then move to the Rules Committee of the National Convention, which then the National Convention body has to vote uh, yay or nay to okay. the rules. So this is not an RNC decision at the end of the day. It's a National Convention decision. Um, so that affects your delegates, you know, wh- whoever you're putting up to be a delegate. You have to make sure they are how you want to be on the Rules Committee and on these platform committees, making sure they're going to vote the way you want. Um, but the one critical piece is, you know, as you mentioned, it, it takes effect at the winter meeting, which would be in January of 2025. And the rule pr- proposal right now is that these new members would take their seats at the beginning gavel of the winter meeting in 2025, which would start their term virtually the same as whoever the new president is. And then their term would carry from the duration of the presidential term to the end of the presidential term is how it would work. So you'd be, you, your term would end at the beginning gavel of the winter meeting in 2026, or sorry, uh, what would that be, 2029, um, mm-hmm. right? But 
you would begin in 2025, right? So there's no effect on the chairman vote. That okay. that, that was the critical question that he right. answered was, would this affect the vote for chair in 2025? It would not. It, whoever else you bring in now, whether it's, you know, uh, as members of the Youth Advisory Council, so cleverly dubbed people, members of the anti-Rana reject club, um, <laughs> if you elect people like that, <laughs> they will still be able to vote um, for a different person other than Ron McDaniel. And there are some rumors going around. You know, you talked about that briefly, about who's going to be the replacement of Rana. Um, and it looks like there is a concern, you know, developing. And I don't want to say too much because I, I don't want to confirm the rumors I'm hearing. But it sounds like there is already a pick in place for who's going to replace Rana. And it sounds like it's someone that the president has picked, actually. Oh. Um, so that would be good then. Someone, well, maybe no, the, the concern is is that the we're, we're not hearing that. They're, they're, the people in the room, the, the grassroots members of the Republican National Committee, the people that are supporting Laurel, the people that are like Randy Corcoran, have all spoken up and said it's not someone they like. However, oh. they were told not to say who, but it is not Harmeet Bill. I can tell you that much. But it's, it's not someone they would they like, like to see chair. It's, it's intriguing. Well, one thing you do have to say, I mean, as you have said, one thing that Trump does seem to be really bad at is, is picking people right. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, unless sometimes it's barren or, or something. So, hey, well, there's a final question for you guys, because I know you've got planes to catch and things like that. So at this meeting... Do you, do you leave it feeling, I mean, even all the upbeat or, upbeat or, or, or are we on our own out here in Colorado doing? No, I, I, like I said, again, giving credit where we can, I think that they're trying, right? They may not be doing everything that us grassroots people believe they should be doing, but they're not doing nothing. They, they aren't, they're not doing nothing. The problem is a disconnect because there's no communication between them and those of us on the ground. That's where I come in. That's my goal is to be a better communicator to make sure that the grassroots and the constituents in Colorado understand what the RNC is doing, that they are working for us. They do have currently 77 election integrity cases active right oh. now that they are pursuing 60 of them are 60 of them they are pursuing ahead of the game, not from behind the eight ball in areas and regions where they are seeing problems and they know there's a problem. They're going in now with lawsuits already. There's 60 of those right now. So these things are important and nobody on the ground knows that, right? So everybody thinks, right. oh, they don't care about election integrity or they're not fighting for us. They are doing some of those things. You know, um, there is a grassroots group that meets about messaging. They are trying to do those things. They're trying to bring grassroots ideas into the RNC. They are trying those things. But when we don't communicate that back, then we just have a disconnect. And then that causes more division, right? right. And we've been talking about unity, unity, unity. Okay, I have a, an issue with unity, unity, unity. We don't need to preach unity if we had transparency and communication. We would automatically have exactly. unity. There you go. Okay? All right. Exactly. So, so that's why you have to elect the, me the, to be the committee woman on April 6th, being a delegate, right. being right. assembly. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll kind of close that out of, you know, the, this unity speech that everyone is giving is outrageous. I mean, there is no love lost on me here at the RNC. Uh, Rana openly shunned me and, and dissed me, you know, several times at this meeting because of my criticisms of her. And even members yeah. of the staff that normally would come up and be 
you know, super nice. And hey, it's great to see you, you know, didn't even say hello to me at this meeting, you know. Um, and that's because I've been very, very critical as a member of the youth council. You know, it, it has, we've done nothing. And, you know, I'm, I have to say, the reason I am so critical, it's not for personal gain. It's not for personal benefit. It's to ensure that we are winning elections. And we, that is not what I see happening here. Now, I do think we are on the course to change that. I think that, you know, Rana is laser focused, at least from her speech today in the general session, um, which, you know, you couldn't record in there. You couldn't really do much. So I can't, I can't share it. But I can tell you from the perspective of someone you trust. At least I hope you trust me, um, is that she is laser focused on moving her focus and the RNC's focus to the general election, which would be partnering with the nominee, joint fundraising with the nominee, working together as a team to win and beat Biden. And that is her goal and that is her focus. And I think that you're going to see that continue to grow. I think we are on the right path forward. I don't think we should let down the pressure because the pressure yeah. is working. The pressure is showing that you know, there are problems and that's why they're preaching this unity. You know, it was a, it was a love fest in several of these meetings where they openly berate the America first members of, of the national committee for their criticisms. Um, and, you know, I got, you know, Twitter attacked while I was here by people that were in the room across the table <laughs> for me, you know, it was, it was brutal, but we're on the path forward. Don't let up the pressure. Stay involved. Stay in the fight. Back the right candidates for the national committee and put the right people on these delegates, you know, in these delegate seats come the, you know, convention, because that is where it is critical. We have a platform to vote on. We have rules to vote on. And we have a nominee to elect. And it better be Donald Trump. All right. All right. Well, thank you, God, guys, God. giving the report. Yeah. And hearing from both of you. Yeah, so, somewhat different. Uh, well, that's okay. Which is great. That's uh, okay. But no, we appreciate it because, like you said, we're all, we have no idea yeah, out here, right? right? Because, of course, the corporate media doesn't cover this at all. So, you guys, thank you for the jobs that you're doing. We appreciate yeah. you so much. Um, and we will see you guys later. Travel safe back to Denver. Thank you. All right. Thank Bye, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. We had a ton of um, comments here. Oh, this is Leo. He's saying the RNC is trying like a quadriplegic in a life vest with an outgoing tide. <laughs> this is from Sandra. Why, you know, um, that, why Trump sometimes picks bad people. Trump's not a politician. He trusted people like we all do until someone throws us under the bus. I, I agree with you on this, Andrew. I truly believe he's much smarter now. And then she says, and Ron McDaniel is a you know what kicker, you know what out. Um, and then Leo says AOC would be better as RNC chair. <laughs> and then Charlene, I also agree with this. Rana's job is to keep the global cabal in power and suppress patriots. <laughs> and then Sandra says, good people, Laurel and Weston. Yeah. That is going to wrap it up for us on this Party Friday. Next week, we've got a, a, already a great jam-packed. Great lineup. That's right. We've got Colonel John Mills coming on. Um, he's going to be talking about what the frick is Biden doing, and I guess we're bombing Syria now. Thank uh, God. Well, what have we been doing? We yeah, haven't been bombing enough. We haven't. That's what we've been. We spent our time bombing the Houthis, which is good, but we need more bombing of- in Syria, Iraq. And uh, Jordan and uh, yeah, four or five other countries. Yeah, yeah Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So he's going to come in and kind of explain all of that. And then on Wednesday. Oh, he's going to explain it? That's good. Yeah, but then we're going to have Mark Poffin on Wednesday. I don't know if you've seen some screw up at the Colorado Bureau screw of Investigation. Yeah. They had to ask for millions of more dollars in the legislature. $5 million because one of the, one of the uh, technical scientists 
apparently was taking shortcuts and saying, oh, yeah, DNA is this guy. <laughs> the match. So, I mean, literally hundreds of cases. criminal cases and could be overturned in Colorado. So we'll talk to him and about even that. Some free, and some, even some innocent people, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe thrown in. No. Uh, but anyway, that's all going on. It is um, a great to see everybody on Zoom. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to Dr. Josie, to Wes and Laurel, to Thomas at BBS. Um, it's Party Friday. Yeah, <laughs> We'll see you all on Monday.